Making Change. It's the last week of our sermon series on money, and no one likes to talk about money. No one likes to preach about money. No one likes to hear anybody preach or talk about money. But here's the deal. Our church hasn't talked about money in about five years, okay? So this is something that we need to talk about. And over the last several weeks, we've been asking you to make, a, make several commitments. Commitments dealing with uh, your finances. And the first commitment was this. To commit to attack and pay off all of your consumer debt. So we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And we talked about debt. It's so important that we deal with debt because debt is like a cancer. If we're not careful, it will take over and control our lives. And so we need to attack it. And we need to, to deal with it before it takes over and consumes us. Well, last week we talked about how to handle God's money um, his way. And we made this second commitment as a church, which is this. I commit to tie 10% of my income to God through central. And we got this next commitment from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, which says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so last week, we asked several of you to make a 90-day tithing commitment. We, we made this challenge to you to, to tithe for 90 days. And here's what's crazy. Um, I didn't know how it was going to go, but after the first week, we had uh, 54 families that, that checked off the box that, hey, I'm already tithing. I'm already, we're already doing this as members of Central, and we want to continue to do that. And so I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for your commitment. But here's the most amazing thing. We had 22 families that say, hey, we haven't given, and we want to start giving. That's awesome, just to, to, to see what God is doing and how he's moving uh, in your own lives and in the life of our church together as a congregation. But here's the deal. If, if you're in this room today and you haven't made that commitment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. We're not done yet. We're going to do that later on um, today. But first, there's a final commitment that we need to make financially, and it comes from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And this, I'm using the NIV here, and this phrase, dishonest money, um, this English translation is lacking a little bit. It doesn't, doesn't show us really what this passage is talking about, because in the Hebrew, it's really using the word for, for hasty. In other translations, it uses things, uh, says, says things like get-rich-quick schemes or fraud. And so it says a lot of people... That's how they try to get money. That's, that's their desire for getting money. Because I think in our culture, we love two things. We love microwaves and we love the lottery, okay? Let me explain. So a couple days ago, uh, Corbin and I, my son Corbin, we decided that we we're going to make some popcorn. And we all know how we make popcorn, right? We just get the bag out, you flip it over for some reason, and then you put it in the microwave, and we don't even have to put the time anymore. We just hit the popcorn button, right? And we just close it and go about our business, and then it comes out, and usually it's good. How many of y'all burn popcorn every time you do that? You gotta, you gotta stop it a couple, minutes, couple seconds earlier, I don't know. I've listened for it. But we, we love the, the quickness of making popcorn that way. But Corbin and I said, hey, we're gonna make popcorn the old-fashioned way. So we got this big like pot out, and we put two tablespoons of, of oil in there, and then we were, we were looking online for like the rest recipe how to do this. And so we, we, we're guys, okay, just go with this. So 
It said to take two kernels, and once the oil is hot, you, you, you throw those in there, and you wait to see if it starts to sizzle. And then when, you, when it starts to sizzle, you know you're ready. And so we waited, and uh, one time the popcorn like actually blew up in her face. But anyways, um, we put the, the, the rest of the popcorn kernels in there, and we shake it up. And then you sit there, and you, you watch it kind of start, start to pop, and then you got to sit there and shake it so it doesn't burn. And you're just flipping around. you got the lid on there. And there's this whole process. Of make, it takes about 10 minutes to make popcorn that way. But you know what? It was so good. Like, yeah, it is good popcorn that way. But you know what? We like things to happen suddenly. That's why not only do we like microwaves, but we like the lottery. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of you guys maybe play the lottery and you go and you see a billboard. And it's, you know, the, the jackpot's $580 million. You go, I've got a chance to win that. So I, you got your numbers. You know, it's usually like your grandkids' birthdays. You know, it's uh, your favorite, you know, number from, from high school when you're playing sports. And you always got to stick with those numbers because what happens? What would happen? How would you feel if all those numbers hit? And you didn't play the lottery, you changed your numbers. Man, you just feel terrible about that. And so you always have your numbers and you're playing and you're hoping to win the lottery. But here's the deal. 70% of people who win the lottery go bankrupt within the first couple of years. 70%. So the question is, why do they go bankrupt? Well, it's because the person who, who gets sudden wealth they, realize, or they, they don't understand what it's like to work for it. They didn't, they didn't work for it. They spent a dollar and picked numbers, and all of a sudden they are a multimillionaire. They don't understand the value of what they have just received. And not only that, but they don't have the skills and wisdom necessary to manage it. And that's what this verse is saying. It's saying dishonest money dwindles away. Dishonest money dwindles away. It's saying that the person who, who gets sudden wealth doesn't have, doesn't have the wisdom to hang on to it. Or when you think about fraud, it's that people, they cut corners in their life over and over again to try to gain more wealth. And so their life is just one big mess when they do finally come into money. So God's solution for us dealing with, with, uh, with money is for us to develop the discipline to save it little by little by little. That's what that says. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. That's amazing that we have this verse. We have God's word that teaches us this because, you know, we don't need, we don't need a degree in finance. We don't need to have a bookshelves of investment strategies. And in fact, we really don't even need Dave Ramsey to tell us how to invest in money. We have God's word. And if this, this passage right here, this, this uh, proverb was written around 900 B.C., so about 3,000 years ago, this proverb came into being from God through King Solomon, and we have it today. In fact, the title of this sermon is that God is our great financial advisor. He is who we need to go to for wisdom when it comes to dealing with our finances. Because there's a deal, guys, our finances need to change. For many of us in this room, our finances need to change. And for a lot of Christians who are in this room and watching online, we have very little wealth. And if we were to take up all of our assets and, and liquidate all those and then go and pay off all of our debts, the reality is, is that we would have very little left over. But the purpose of this sermon is not to, not to make you wealthy. And God, that's not God's purpose today is to, to make you wealthy. His purpose for you is to make you financially free. He doesn't want to make you a wealthy person just for, for that sake. He wants you to be a financially free person. Because here's the deal. When that happens, things change in your life. 
All of a sudden, when you're financially free and you don't have that burden constantly on you, all of a sudden, doors are open for you that maybe never would have been open for you financially, where you can begin to do things with your money and God can begin to use you like you've never expected. He can do some crazy radical things in people's lives through you when you do money God's way. So today I want to talk about the why. The why that, why that God wants to build wealth in your life. And I want to, you to make this commitment. This is the final commitment for our series, and it's this. I commit to discipline myself to proactively save the wealth God has given me. Now, I would like to maybe explain this in a different way. I want to paint you a picture. So that's why I asked you to take something out to write with, or maybe you have your phone, you can take notes um, some way. But I'd like for us to go through this simple diagram that'll help us to, to put all, all of these commitments we've been making over the last several weeks, um, I want to put them together to help us to see um, just how we can do this. And so if you have a piece of paper, if you have something to write with, I want you to go close to the top, not only the top, but very close to the top, about 80% to the top, and I want you to draw a line. I want you to draw a line, and I want you to write God's provision level. I want you to write that right there. You see, when it comes to doing money God's way, we got to realize that it starts with an understanding that everything comes from God. Everything comes from God. Think about it. When you were born, God gave you life. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you um, the education you have. He's given uh, you the employment opportunities that you have. Everything comes from him. And so the money that you make comes from the goodness and faithfulness of God. And so that line that you draw on right here, this is what this is. It's your, it's your income. That is your income for your life. Now, that income is going to be different for different people. And you know what? It can change it sometimes. But that is God's provision level for you. And I think from this, as we draw this, the, several things on this paper, we're going to come up with some, some great principles, some secrets for us to, to handle money God's way. And the first one is this. We need to accept God's provision level. That line that you've drawn, you need to accept God's provision level. But you know what? It might change. You might change your job. You might um, improve your education or your skills. You might start, start something new. But the key here is to live under it. That line that you've drawn right there is for you to realize that, you know what, as a family, I need to, we need to live underneath God's provision level right there. And that's where contentment comes in. In fact, Paul even talks about it in Philippians chapter 4, really famous part of Scripture. And he says this in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. He's saying, I understand being poor and rich. I've been in both spectrums, both worlds. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this, which is a famous verse that we talk about all the time. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is a great um, time to stop and say, you know what, when you read scripture, we need to read it um, uh, have good hermeneutics. We understand the, the, what's actually happening in scripture right here. And, and you, we, sometimes we use this this verse when we're jumping out on the ball field, right? And we're like, I can do this through Christ who gives me strength. Or, or uh, you know, we're, we're going through a struggle in our life. And you know what? That's great. You can do that. But you know what the first purpose of that verse was talking about? It was dealing, talking about your finances. It's talking about dealing with money, God's way. And, and Paul says, I know what it means to be content, to have contentment in our life. Why? Because I, I can do it through Christ. He gives me strength 
to be able to do it. And so that's the first secret to winning with money. But if we're honest, a lot of us aren't happy with that. We're not happy with that line that we've drawn. In fact, what happens is, is we, we turn to God and say, hey, God, I think you made a mistake. God, I think you've messed up. God, didn't you know that I need more than that? Have you seen that person down the street who has more than me? And I, I want what they have. And all of a sudden, our wants turn into have-tos. Like, I've got to have that. I mean, I think about, like, all the Apple stuff. And it's, okay, I'm just telling you about my own life, okay? So a new Apple product comes out. I'm like, i got to have that, right? It's going to change my life. And you know what? Apple does a great job of making it seem that if you don't have that, you're missing out, right? You're missing out if you don't have it. And so we turn the, the things that, that we just want, we turn them into, I've got to have those. And so we say, God, you've messed up. I don't have as much money as I need and how much money I deserve. And so here's what we do. We say, you know what, God, I'm going to go into debt. God, you have messed up. And so I'm going to raise this provision level in my life so that I can do the things that I want to do. In fact, what we're saying is you're saying, God, I'm going to fix what you messed up. So here's what I want you to do. Draw a second line right there, right above God's provision level. And I want you to write, God messed up, so I'll add debt. Essentially, that is what debt is. You say, God, you, sh you should have given me more. So here's the second, second secret to winning with money that I see in this, this diagram. And it's this, simple. Don't add debt to God's provision level. We talked about it several weeks ago. Don't add debt. Because here's what happens eventually when you are consumed with debt, then you realize that it, is, it has become your master. It is, you become a slave to that, that thing, to that debt. And all of a sudden, you realize you are in bondage. You are in chains. And you can't do the things. You can't do the things that God wants you to do in your life because you have this hanging over your head. And then you look back at a time in your life when maybe you're a little more content. Maybe you didn't have as much, but you know what? You're happier. You look back and you say, man, that was an easier time. And I saw God working in my life, even though I didn't have much. Now, there is a, a third secret here to winning with money. And here's what it is. To joyfully return to God 10% of what he provides. We talked about this last week. We talked about tithing and giving uh, back to God. We, didn't, we talked about how it wasn't, it wasn't us giving to God something. It was us returning to God something. Because how can you give something to someone that they already own, right? You're not giving it to them. You're returning it. And that's what God is calling us to do. So on, on your, little, your little diagram, underneath God's provision level, I want you to, to draw another line. And I want you to write, what I joyfully return to him, this is my tithe. So underneath that, write, write that and write, what I joyfully return to him, this is my tithe. Now, when you do this, and when you think about tithing, what's happening is there becomes two different kinds of people. And both of those people look at the other person and think they're an idiot. Okay? Let me explain. There's one kind of person who doesn't tithe. And they look at the person who does tithe and says, man, you are an idiot. Why would you not keep 100% of what you make? That is yours. Why would you give some of it away and expect God to give it back to you. Why, why would you do that? And the other person looks at, looks, who does tithe looks at the person that doesn't and says, man, you're an idiot. You're an idiot because you're missing out on so much more 
that God has in store for you. You're missing out. You'll never have a story to tell of God providing for you when you needed him the most. You'll never have that, that joy of having peace and contentment knowing that you're doing money God's way. And so the big question I have for us is this. For every one of us online or here today is what kind of idiot are you going to be? And here's the deal. There are hundreds of people in our church who know what kind of idiot they are. <laughs> they know what it's like to give back to God. They know what it's like to have financial freedom because they're doing money God's way. And you know what? They have a story to tell of God's faithfulness. And that is exactly what God wants for us. And so if you aren't a consistent tither, I'll, I'll just tell you this, you're missing out. You're missing out, not on having less. You're missing out on being content and giving God 100% of yourself and watching him being faithful in your life. But there's, there's one more secret that I want us to, to land on today, secret to winning with money, and it's this. We need, we need to look to the ants. We need to look at ants and see what kind of life they live. In fact, this is in Proverbs chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 6. It's going to be on the screen back here. But, but over several weeks ago, we talked about debt. We talked um, about Proverbs chapter 6, 1 through 5, and how we aren't supposed to be in debt, and how do we get out of debt, and how, um, remember, it's like we're a gazelle, right? We need to run from, from that predator, because that's what debt is like. And you just got to run, like Dave Ramsey said, right? Well, we stopped at verse 5, because I wanted to save verses 6 through 8 for right now. And here's what it says. Go to the ant. You sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It is no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet here's what it does. It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. What it's saying is that the ant is smarter than we think. And without anyone telling it, it realizes that it needs to save. It needs to save up for a winter that's coming. And they don't know what that winter is going to be. Maybe it literally is a, a winter time, a season. But it could be that little kid that comes and just, you know, knocks over the ant pile, right? They realize that there is a winter coming. And all of us experienced a little bit of a winter a couple of weeks ago. And my parents, they were down in, in Texas. And Texas just maybe didn't handle it as, as well as we did. Um, they, they were, it was just a struggle um, with the electric grid. And it went bad quickly for millions of Texans um, down south. And my parents were one of those um, couples. And they were without power for 36 hours. And so you may seem that, oh, that's, that's okay. But they didn't, they didn't uh, fix their fireplace beforehand. Um, and so uh, their gas fireplace, so they couldn't use it. And all of a sudden, it just got cold. And it got cold real quick. And thank goodness they had some friends that were a couple blocks away, and they went and, and they were able to stay with their, at their friend's house for a couple days, and they had a wood-burning fireplace. And so they literally, this is kind of funny, they sent us pictures of them roasting hot dogs on this wood-burning fireplace, and they got, they got a, a pot of water, and they were making coffee like the old-fashioned way. I mean, they, they just, they jumped like 150 years into the past, like instantly, right, when they didn't have power. Um, and they, they stayed, they all slept in the, in the living room, um, like sleeping bags and blankets, and they were just absolutely freezing. They would have to go out to their cars and turn them on to charge their cell phones. I mean, it was just, it was just bad. No Wi-Fi. I mean, how are we supposed to survive, right? It was bad. And the reason they went through that is because in some ways, I'm just throwing them under the bus. They didn't prepare, right? 
They didn't prepare. And sometimes you can't prepare for all those things. But the question is for us, are you preparing for a winter that is coming? And for every single one of us, that financial winter is going to come. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you don't make as much money as you used to make. Or you or your spouse um, gets hurt or has some physical disability and you can't um, live the way that you used to live and your finances has, or your, your expenses have skyrocketed and, and you're not making as much money as you used to. Or the big winner for a lot of us is we get to an age where we can't work anymore, right? And we have to eventually retire or we have to find a job that's a little bit different and maybe not making as much money as we used to. And the question is, are you prepared for that winter? And when you're not prepared, you don't have a plan, what happens is usually you have to just react to that situation when it comes. And when you have to react, man, that is difficult and that is hard and it's painful and that's not the way that God has designed your life to be. And so we need to be like the ants. So back to that diagram, here's what I want you to do. Right underneath the, the line that talks about the tithing, I want you to draw another line right underneath there. I want you to draw another line and write, would I pay myself for the future? But I pay myself for the future. Really, this is a, a, a diagram that a lot of people call the 10-10-80 rule. What it says is, here's God's provision level for my life. This is my income. This is what God has given me. I'm not going to go into debt. I'm not going to say, God, you're wrong. I'm not going to say, God, you, you messed up and you shouldn't give me more. I'm going to say, this is what God has given me. I'm going to be content with that. And more than that, I'm going to give um, God everything of, of my life. I'm going to give my whole heart. So what that means is I'm going to tithe. I'm going to be biblically faithful and to, to return back to him a portion of what he has given me. And even more than that, I'm going to prepare for the winter. I'm going to save. I'm going to save. I'm going to tithe 10%. I'm going to save 10%. I'm going to be content with living on 80% of what God has given me. And so this is the commitment that I'm asking everyone in this room and online to make, this commitment. I commit to discipline myself to proactively save the wealth God has given me. This is what we need to do. I commit to discipline myself to proactively save the wealth God has given me. And earlier, I talked about the why of building wealth. Why does God want us to build wealth? Is it just so we can have a really nice car and a big house? That's not the reason God desires for us to, to be like the ant and to save little by little by little. Because here, here's what happens. Let's just... Let's just play this out. If we got really good at saving and doing money God's way, all of a sudden, we can, God can do some crazy things through us. I'm not talking about necessarily just as a church. I'm talking about through your family and you personally. Here's, here's what those looks like. If you look to your left and right, there are these banners, and th these are our mission statement. As we believe God is calling us to be a church that Jesus changes everything, here's how this plays out. When we begin to live for Christ, we begin to love people and make disciples. And so when we talk about living for Christ, what we're talking about financially is saying, God, you have it all. That when you get baptized, you don't hold your wallet out of the water, right? You go in completely and say, God, you have it all. And I'm, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to do money your way. I'm not just going to um, use it to, to, to buy the things uh, that I just want and things that I feel like I have to have. Instead, I'm going to say, God, what do you want me to do with my money? How can I be responsible with my finances um, for your glory? And so you begin to live for Christ. And here's what happens. All of a sudden, loving people changes. And you have an opportunity to not say, my church will take care of that person. You have an opportunity to do that yourself. 
And all of a sudden, when you're living for God financially the way he wants you to live, when that person walks into this room, that single lady who's struggling, she's got kids, and she just can't make it. She doesn't know what to do. Instead of you saying, oh, God bless you, I'm going to pray for you, right? Instead of you say, here, right? And all of a sudden, God is meeting a need in their life through you. And for some of you in this room, you're getting chills right now because you know what that feels like. You know you've been on that end where you've been that person that's struggled and some Christian has come in and, and provided for you and you've seen the love of God in that moment. But also for some of you in this room, you have been doing, God, doing money God's way and you've been able to do that and there's nothing better than to give like that. And then all of a sudden, making disciples changes as well. And you begin, you have an opportunity to not only tithe to your church, but to invest in advancing the gospel all over the world to giving to mission efforts, for you to be a missionary in, in far off places, for you begin to, to say, God, how do, would you want me to use my money that actually is your money to be able to bless other people and to tell people about Jesus? Man, can you imagine if we had, if we were all families like that, where we were just, man, living for Christ so much that financially we get to do some radical and crazy things for God and for other people. That's beautiful that God would, would set it up that way where we get to be used by him. But there's a statement that was told to me this last week, and it's kind of wrecked me a little bit. And I wanted to, to share this with you because sometimes we're pretty selfish. And here's a statement. When God blesses you financially, it's not to increase your standard of living. It's to increase your standard of giving. I'm like, huh, I don't like that. <laughs> uh-uh. You know, because you know what happens when you get a better job, you can make some more money. What do we naturally do? Ooh, what can I buy, <laughs> right? Oh, I can get that car now. I can have that house now. We can go and do those things now. What if God is saying, you know what? You need some contentment in your life. You need to be content with the things that you have. Maybe you don't need that brand new car. Maybe you need to, to get a used car. Maybe your house is just fine for you. Instead of seeing the, the blessing of God as a chance to just do things for yourself, instead you might say, you know what? God, thank you for raising my standard of giving. And I get to be able to use God or use the things of God in a completely different way. That's amazing. You know, Jesus said something incredible, and it was repeated in Acts chapter 20. And he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Man. That is totally true. So as you look at this, this diagram, I hope it's maybe just a visual way for you to see, you know what? Maybe I haven't been living the way God is calling me to live. Maybe I'm not doing money the way that God is calling me um, to do money. And things need to change. And so today, we've, we talked about savings. Just simple as that. If you don't have a saving plan, man, get a saving plan. Create a budget. Begin to, to save for the future because a winter is coming and God wants the best for you, for your own life, for your family, but also be able to advance the gospel and to love other people with the resources that God has given you. And so we talked about, 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 about saving. You know what? On that, that diagram is also giving. And we, last week we talked about giving, and now it's not just giving, but it's returning to God. And God says something and calls us to do something um, in Malachi chapter 3. And we talked about it last week. 
And it, it was this, to test him. And that's pretty bold. That's kind of, kind of scary, kind of crazy, because nowhere else in Scripture does God say to test me. But when it comes to your finances, God says, test me. He says, see, if, if, you'll, if you'll be faithful to me with your finances, just test me and see if I won't be faithful to you. And I'm not talking about saying, hey, if I give $100, then I'm going to get 10000 in return. That's not, that is not biblical at all. What God is saying is that he will bless you, and he'll provide for you, and he'll change your heart. And he'll help you to be content with what you have. And he will begin to use you. And, and for all of us Christians in this room, isn't that what we want to do? We want to be used by God in a powerful way. So here's what I want to do. I want to give everybody an opportunity to make um, that commitment again. So if you weren't here last week, um, this is the first time you're going to hear this. But underneath your chairs is, is a card. And I want everybody to reach underneath there right now and grab the card and the pen that comes with it. Um, it's just a little envelope. So I'll go do that right now. I'm going to do it with you, okay? So everybody just grab one of these. If you've already done this last week, that's fine. But go ahead and grab it and open it up. And inside it is, is this, this card that's called our 90-day tithing challenge. And here's what we're asking you to do. Maybe in this room there's some of you who, maybe you're a young person. Maybe you're a college student. Maybe you're a family that, you know, it's, it's never been in the cards for you to give because you're just struggling financially. Maybe God's calling you to, to give him your whole heart. We give you an opportunity to do that. And so what this is, is it's called a 90-day uh, tithing challenge. And it's simple, simple as this, that we believe God will bless you. We want to ask you to make that commitment. And so on one side, it has a, a big 90 on there. It's got a lot of, bunch of writing. And I want to read some of this um, with you. I want to ask you to, to check off one of these boxes. Here, here's here what they are. The second box says that I'm already giving to God through Central and I'm gonna to continue to do that. And I believe God has been faithful to me and I wanna be faithful to him. And so I don't necessarily need to take this 90 day challenge. But if you're, if you're a giving member of our church, um, just, just check that box and you can go ahead and begin to fill out the other side. And here's the deal. I have no idea who ties at our church. I don't even know it. Only, only people I know who tithe at our church, it's my family, that's it, okay? I don't even wanna know. So these are kept secret. There's only um, a few people in our church who are financial keepers and they um, can put all this stuff in our, in our books, but I don't even know um, whether you're signing this or doing this at all. Um, but if you're already giving, man, man, check that off. That'd be awesome to be able to see. But the, the first box, here's what it says. And this is honestly, this is just for members here at Central. So if you're not a member, man, you can just kind of tear this up or whatever, put it in your pocket, take it home with you. Or maybe you want to check that off and send it to your own church and tell your pastor, hey, I was at this other church. We're talking about tithing. I'm going to start tithing my church. Do that, okay? If you're, if you're not a member, we don't, we don't, we're not asking for your money. This is only for people who have committed to being members here at Central. But here's what this first box says. I'd like to test God's faithfulness by accepting the 90-day tithing challenge. And I agree that starting next Sunday, my household will give to God through Central a tithe equal to 10% of my income. And at the end of the 90-day period, if I'm not convinced of God's faithfulness to bless my life and result of my obedience to his word, you can get this, then I will be entitled to request a refund of the full amount made during this 90-day period. We believe God will bless you so much that, you know what, if you feel like he hasn't, we'll give you your money back. Now, there are a couple of stipulations, and I need to read those at the bottom. Number one, I understand that this form must be completed and received in the church office at the beginning of this 90-day tithing challenge starting uh, next Sunday or this Sunday. I understand that my tithe must be paid online or by cash or check in an envelope so we can make record and know how much you have given. 
Um, so if you do want a refund, we know how much to give back. And here's the other thing. I understand that I cannot seek a refund for any contributions made prior. So if you've been giving for 25 years, you can't say, you know what, I'd like that 25 years of giving back, okay? It's not how this works, uh, but it's just during this, this one um, time, during this 90-day challenge. And then you agree that any request for a refund must be received in the church office um, within 30 days at the end of this 90-day challenge. So we're talking about getting into May with this. And then if you'd like your money back, we'll give it back to you. But here's the deal, we believe that God is so much more for you. And it's, this has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with your heart. And the question is, are you giving God 100% of your heart? And when you do, he will bless you. And every time we, we, we read God's word, whether you're doing it personally or up here, um, up on stage, it should change us, right? Like it should cause us to, to take a, a deep look at our own lives and say, am I living the way, God, you want me to live? Or really, am I just playing games? And we don't want your money. We want the best for you. So will you be faithful to him? Fill it out. In fact, I'm gonna do it right now. So I'll give you a moment. As I fill this out, if you feel God just tugging your heart to do that, let's do it right now together.